We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 271 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso here a couple hours late, a day late. Who knows? Uh, Always on time when you're with us here on the Moose Greens Pod because we have plenty to get to. Uh, The Bears, almost a week ago now, Thursday night football, an abomination in the Orange Unis. Um, We'll get to it. We'll talk a little bit week six in the NFL. We'll look forward to week seven. NBA action is underway. We'll get a little Bulls expectation there. Mark Shinovsky going to come on the pod in the weeks to come. We do want to sort of uh, set a little groundwork here in terms of where we should be thinking wind totals, things of that sort with the Bulls, but it'll just be me and Matt in this one. Also got to talk a little MLB baseball as we are now in the LCS series um, with a bunch of underdogs coming up, especially on the NL side and uh, the favorites, I guess, chalk on the AL side, but a whole lot of fun coming your way. First and foremost, Matt Rooney, how are you? Yeah, you mentioned it there last with the LCSs. I kind of love the way it's shaped out. Now, I kind of love how we have one underdog LCS, one chalk LCS, and we're kind of guaranteed a underdog versus a chalk pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's going to set up for a very interesting World Series whenever we get it, especially with the the momentum and the funness in the NLCS right now. But I, I'm doing well. Um, it's, it feels weird talking to you this late after a Bears game. I'm usually ready to, you know, fire off all my takes immediately or with a, not quite immediately, but two days after. It's almost been a week. And I got to tell you, that was that was not the best Bears game to be at. Yeah. That, was, that one was not ideal. Well, um, give me... Give me your give me your firsthand experience because the television experience was what it always is from the Bears standpoint. Offensive struggles, sad Justin Fields, offensive line not blocking, lose a football game. Yeah, it I don't know. Like it was just a very weird, weird football game. Like in between the twenty and we've seen this with the Bears before, like in between the twenties, the offense was okay, and then they get into the red zone and it's just they're tripping all over their feet. And then finally, it seems like, you know, after what was, you know, there are a couple good throws made, but more of a down effort for Justin. I thought that the touchdown throw to Pettis was fantastic. But other than that, you know, definitely more downs than ups throughout that game, but, you know, gets the ball with under two minutes left, no timeouts, takes him down the field and does everything he needs to do and should have gotten a pass interference call. But even without that on third and goal, put a ball right in Pettis's hands. And then on fourth and the goal puts one right in Mooney's hands. It's like, when he's doing something wrong, it seems like somebody else is doing something right. And when he's doing something right, somebody else is doing something wrong. And it's just like the offense just cannot get on the same page. And I guess when you have this big of a lack of this hot, big of a lack of, does that make sense? Big of a lack of talent mm-hmm. um, on that offense in the playmaker department up front, and you have a quarterback that's still very clearly going through some growing pains despite some flashes. I mean, this is just kind of what we're resigned to at this point. Yeah, and that being the final words of the overarching sentence of the season, I'm done. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm done caring about. I'm. We've talked about it in seasons past because we've been here before. Apathy is on the doorstep. They're unwatchable. They're no fun. 
They have no swagger about them offensively. Point the finger wherever you want. If you want to point it at Fields, I'm fine with that. If you want to point it at the offensive line, I'm fine with that. If you want to point it at Getzey a little bit for some shoddy play calling, I'm fine with that. If you want to point it at Mooney for not running his smash route to the actual goal line, I'm fine with that. If you want to point it at Fields for not throwing the ball to the pylon and throwing a jump ball because he had a bad look, I'm fine with that. If you want to point it at Fields for not recognizing he had man-to-man and his his running back was going to be open on the backside, I'm fine with that. They're not good. They're not good. They're showing no signs of getting better. It's going to be a very tough season. And if you can't beat Carson Wentz with a broken finger, you can't beat anybody on this schedule remaining. I, I, I am not, I, I am not a tank for insert player here guy because intentional tanking is shameful. Unintentional tanking is unwatchable. So in either case, I'm done giving the bears any of my mind and really any of the time on this podcast, because there's nothing to talk about with this team. There there is not until the roster looks different until there are noticeable signs of this thing getting turned in the right direction until our quarterback starts comporting himself a little bit differently. I'm done. I mean, I'm, I'm still going to tune in every Sunday. I'm still going to hope they win. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's easy to say now that I'm done, but when I turn on the game, I'm obviously watching the bears, hoping they win a football game, but I'm going to just keep trying to condition myself to not care as much about the final result, what the final score exactly is. And looking like we've talked about since last year, when Justin Fields took over the starting job is seeing moments and seeing flashes from him. And, 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 you know, on a, not quite a bye week but you know, a, a, short by week, whatever the extended week that they've had, you hope to see some improvements. You hope to see more of an effort like the Vikings. You hope, but do you expect? I don't know what I expect at this point, uh, because I think this is going to be a year that we've talked <laughs> about and you're seeing it. I mean, hell we're seeing it with Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville now too. Like there's going to be some bad ones and there's going to be some good ones. And I'm just hoping that as we go down, you know, as we get towards the end of the season, that the good starts to outweigh the bad, at least from the quarterback position, at least from, a Braxton Jones perspective from a Tevin Jenkins perspective, where if you want to pull out one, one bright side from this team, and I know it's just a right guard, but that dude looks like a f- absolute dude. I think he's a monster there. Um, you just need to start. like, I, I, I want to start seeing more good than bad. And unfortunately I'm, I think Justin has had some very highs and some very lows this season. I've been disappointed with Darnell Mooney. If I mean, not that he was ever going to be, a number one receiver in the NFL, but you know, that ceiling is probably the number two or, or a one B on a really good, you know, a really good year for him. He's been wildly disappointing. I mean, he's made some nice catches throughout the, throughout the season at, at, at times, but I just, the consistency doesn't appear to be there from him. I mean, you, if you want to be a number one receiver, that ball on the goal line has to be caught the first time because that's a touchdown. Um, David Montgomery has been fine. Khalil Herbert's been fine, but I just, I want to start seeing the, from the guys that we think might be pieces that might be here a year from now, two years from now, I want to just start seeing more and more from them because I mean, we you talk about your blue in the face in the off season about how this year is a rebuilding year. And we know what we're getting into. We know the roster's bad. We know Ryan pace left it in God awful shape with the cap situation and also got awful shape. So your hand, your hands are, you're like, you can only do so much with the roster when you're Ryan Poles. We knew this was going to be a bad year coming in, but like, it still smacks you in the face when they're this when yeah, you know, re- stuff like this happens. And you know we're, we're 
Rebuilding is not an excuse to come out and be embarrassing every Sunday. There has to rebuilding suggests that that process is underway. Not, Hey, we're going to stink for 17 games and then we're going to rebuild this offseason. That's not rebuilding. Rebuilding is putting some pieces and core pieces in place to see a glimpse of it. Rebuilding is making sure your quarterback is in a situation where he can progress. Rebuilding is identifying where you are deficient and getting that the hell out of here. Like, there has to be some sign of progress within rebuilding or you will be the sedentary team at the bottom of the league for a half decade like Carolina has been, like Houston has been. We are that. We are we are in that pod of teams. We are in that echelon of franchise right now. We are the Lions. We are the Panthers. We are the Texans. The Chicago Bears, for as embarrassing as it is, are that echelon of team and you want to add another layer to the embarrassment we're going to play the patriots in prime time and bill belichick is going to surpass george hallis for all-time win second all-time and i know it's a it's a far-off idea and i know it's sort of happenstance and i know it doesn't matter for anything but it's another way to frame the embarrassment that this franchise has been we're about to in front of the world in front of the football world at least have a record established by the man who founded our storied franchise and cared about it more than anyone has since is going to have his record broken on national television against an amazing head coach in his own right. But we're again going to be the butt of the joke. We are going to be the punchline. We have been the punchline since the double doink, and it doesn't seem like it's changing. We are going to remain the punchline until these rebuilding years actually lead to something being rebuilt. I agree with that, and I, I, I agree with most of the stuff you said there. I just think when you go into this offseason with the cap situation you're dealt with, with the lack of picks you're, de- you're dealt with, because Ryan Pace traded up so many times for guys that didn't even make a damn difference. I get that. Um, I don't Matt, think Jalen Jones we talk about, was, What we talk about all the time – what we talk about all the time is that the disparity between team number one and team 32 is not that great. It's the execution on a fucking Sunday. The bears refuse to execute. That comes out of a lack of talent on the roster. Yes, but you can maximize that talent on the roster. How did a dog trash Steelers team just beat Tampa Bay with three corners down and their starting safety down against what's expected to be or what is the greatest quarterback of all time. How'd they pull that off? Because they executed on a Sunday. That's what rebuilding looks like. That's a bad team with a bad roster and the good players on that roster aren't healthy or available. What I'm saying is, regardless of what the roster looks like, it needs to move forward. It needs to, on Sunday, look better than the... How are the Giants 5-1? and one? Their roster is awful. Their leading receiver has 189 receiving yards. Enough with the excuses. Go win a football game against a bad team in Washington, no less. I'm going to take you through the schedule, and you point to me the expected wins. The Bears will not be favorited in a football game for the rest of the season against a team not named the Lions. You play the Patriots. You play the Cowboys, the Dolphins, the Lions, the Falcons in Atlanta. We will be dogs. The Jets in New York. We will be dogs. The Packers, the Eagles, the Bills, the Lions in Detroit. We will probably be dogs and the Vikings to finish out the season at home. We will be underdogs in every single game this season except the Lions at home. And we might even be pick them in that. It's an embarrassment. Well, I mean, uh, that, that's fair. And I like, yes, they're going to be underdogs in, in all the rest of their games at home or sorry, the rest of their games down the road. But like you talk about the Steelers. Yes, the Steelers went out 
and executed and they won a football game against a struggling Bucks team that was better than them and the Steelers were hurt themselves. The Bears still like the Steelers are also just coming off a week where they lost 31 to three in an embarrassment with their first with their rookie first round pick quarterback. Like they're having their really bad moments too. They had one game where they played really well. The Bears had one game where they played really well and again granted it was a it was a weird weather game, but they went out and they beat the San Francisco 49ers a team they have no, not had. They have not. What are you talking about? They beat year. the San Francisco 49ers at home. Week, like, they beat the San Francisco 49ers week one okay. on a wet playing field. It was like, like if, if the that's, Steelers if that's beat, the, okay, the Steelers beat the Bucks the mark, with three offensive linemen marquee, and no receivers. That is the marquee win this season. That is the perfect indication of where this franchise is at. We had, they we can't had even, six they weeks. Can't even, they can't even rip one off. They can't even rip one off against the freaking Washington Commanders with it's a quarterback. Week seven. They have and, a and long season left. The Steelers not, no, lost, you, had bad losses too. We're a third of the way through the season. Have you seen an ounce of progress? Yes, I think it's, Justin Fields looks, has looked better the last two weeks than he did to start the season. Mm. I think that's progress. I think you found a starter at right guard for the rest of the, the next 10 years. I think that's progress. I think you found a guy at left tackle that has at the very least earned himself a spot at, at, at one of the two starting right tackles in the next couple of years. I think you found a right tackle that's a depth piece on an offensive line. It's minimal, but there is okay. – this so roster was left with minimal. Three-fifths of the offensive line you feel good about and the quarterback you think is moving in the right direction. Why can't we score any damn points then? Why is the pocket constantly collapsing? Why can't Justin Fields get to his second read? Because there's still progress to be made. I'm not saying it's a perfect product. They're professionals. It's, it's not going to be a perfect product. They're professionals. It's time we start holding them to a professional standard. The, the disparity between 1 and 32 is not this large. We should not be the 31st team in the NFL. I don't give a shit about the roster. I don't give a shit about the coaching or the situation that the front office was put into. You're the Chicago Bears. Have a little pride. They're playing I, with zero pride. I, yeah, I I. I absolutely disagree with that. I think a lot of the roster, I think some of the roster is, but I'm not ready to say the entire roster is playing without pride. Justin Fields on the last drive of the game took him down the damn field by himself after getting his ass kicked by a really good, by a very, very solid defensive line front seven and an awful offensive line in front of him. He got his fucking ass kicked all night and then sucked it up in a minute 49, took him down the field, made two game winning touchdown throws. Don't tell me he doesn't have pride. Like, yeah, some, a lot of the team is bad. A lot of the team's not going to be here next year. And a lot of the team doesn't play with pride. And that's a problem. But, like, there, don't, don't try and tell me this entire roster does not have it, it does not play with pride. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm like, saying that they're, I'm saying that this roster is not doing enough to win football games. That's what pride is. To that's, make, make, say, say what you want about the names. We've, we've lost three consecutive games, one in the division, one to the New York Giants who aren't that good at five and one, and they're maximizing their talent because their head coach and whatever belief is going on in that building. And we just lost to a commander's team 12 to seven in the lowest scoring football game of the season. Say what you want about the last drive. There's 56 other minutes to score points in, and we didn't do it. They're underperforming. It's not rebuilding if you're not building anything. Yeah, I just I see this as they an have, entire season to build. There's going to be, be ups better. and downs. It was a down. I agree they, they have, have to be better. To there's be no better doubt about against it. teams like the Commanders. I have no doubt. There's no. You're not going to get a disagree disagreement with me. Excuse me. That Thursday was a down moment, but I think the rebuilds never 
it's never a straight mount, like straight climbing a mountain. Like every week is up, 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 up. There's always ups and downs of rebuilds. They're going to happen. We need to see more ups than downs. And so far, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you that we've seen more downs than ups, but we have a lot of season left to play. And I need Unfortunately. to, I, I want to see, I'm, I'm not writing off that we're going to see our quarterback who's still pretty much in his first, you know, his rookie year. I think he just got to the 16 or whatever start mark. I'm not going to write off that we're going to not just see better, see improvement from him the rest of the way, because I think we have seen signs that there is improvement there. We have seen signs of the talent. I I need to see, we need to see more consistency in the pocket. We need to see that, uh, uh, hold what's, uh, holding the ball time, whatever. I can't think of the term for it. He needs to get rid of the ball quicker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That needs to be progress. But I think we're still like, there's going to be moments that I'm going to scratch, scratch my head and be, what the fuck are you doing? Why didn't you hit Darnell Mooney over the middle when you had that pretty clean pocket on third and 10 on, I think it was the first or second drive, whatever it was. There's going to be moments like that, but we still, we, we also saw an absolute strike with a defender in his face, 45 yard, I guess we didn't, he wasn't shown on the broadcast, which is kind of hilarious. A 45 <laughs> yard strike to Dante Pettis over the back shoulder, perfectly in the pylon. I saw, and I know I keep referencing Justin Fields, but like, I'm glad we've seen some pieces on the offensive line. I'm glad that Jalen Johnson's having a good year. I'm glad that Kendall Vildor looks like he might actually be like a slot corner. He's gotten a lot better. Risker and Gordon have been better, but like realistically it's the quarterback position that you want to see the most strides from. I'm seeing the flashes and yeah, I need to see more of the consistency in the fundamentals. I need to see the, the, the pocket presence get a little bit better. I need to see him get better, get rid of the ball quicker, but we're still seeing the flashes too. I need to see those more often. Those need to, as we get to, Week 9, 10, 11, 12, the, the scale needs to start flipping a little bit. But I, I, I'm i not ready to I – don't, I don't even know what I'm getting at there. But I, it's a rebuild. It's going to be bad. We know it's going to be bad. I want to see more from this team. I want to see more from this group. And we have a long time to do it, but we do have to start seeing it. Yeah. It's uh, it's frustrating. It's gotta, I know it's I, gotta I, be, it's, it's one thing that both be better. is very frustrating. Point blank period. Yes. It's got to be better than it is right now. You can't That's, score seven points against Washington. I don't care who's I don't on the defensive line. And they didn't even have the biggest bullet on the defensive line. They haven't all season. I was impressed by what they did against the Vikings, scoring 22 points, not quitting in that football game. You can't score 12 points against the Giants. 23 points against the Texans. I throw that out just like I do 19 against the Niners in the rain. The Packers, you've got to score more than 10 points. Offensively, they have not done what they needed to. And defensively, at times, they've looked really solid. I will give this team that, especially in the secondary, which is something that we said in the preseason. But you're probably going to trade Robert Quinn in the next 10 days. It, pass rush is going to get weaker. Things are going to get uglier. I, I just need this to slow see. start has sucked for that trade value. It probably went from a second or third round. Yeah, trade but value. like that, there was, there was no. But that's the thing is like I think that yeah. second or third was based off of the numbers of last year and not the number. Oh yeah, he was never going to be that good. But... They, they they were trying to move him in, in the offseason. I think that the value. I think that the front office. And I like them wanting more than they're probably going to get, but like I, I think that we're going to end up a, yeah. getting a fourth round pick for him. I knew, that's fine because at some point he's at, is he up at the end of the year? I don't. I, but I I think he's I up think at so. the end of the year. At least guaranteed yeah. money's up at the end of the year. And he was been he was very fun to watch last year. But there, there's no point in him being on this team. They need to get as many draft picks as they can next year. So yeah, move him. Um, pretty much take a call on everybody. I'm, yeah. I'm legitimately listening to any anybody and everybody because they need to get as many picks as they can next year. 
I completely agree with you. Uh, Matt, let's get into what we saw in the NFL in week six with week seven about to kick. So let's uh, give a couple quick thoughts on each front. Atlanta pulling a home upset 28-14 over San Francisco. San Francisco had like eight starters down. Um, I'll ask you, uh, do you read into this loss for San Francisco or is this just like an attrition game? Let's bounce back. Not really. I think it's an attrition. Let's bounce. I think think Atlanta's a... A better football team than a lot of people have been giving them credit for and I think Arthur Smith's done a really good job coaching there it's not asking Marcus Mariota to do too much and mm-hmm. when Marcus Mariota isn't asked to do too much and be a, I don't want to call it a game manager because he can do a little bit more than that but kind of just be that step above game manager he's not bad like you said San Francisco is so banged up um, do they need to get healthy yes uh, I think by the end of the year, they probably will. That division is not nearly as strong as we thought it would be. And I still see them as a team that's probably winning that division and right there come playoff time and a team that nobody wants to face because that defense is still so good. I mean, truthfully, that division is them or the Seahawks. It's weird. It's so weird. Like uh, Both West divisions, we came into this year saying how it's going to be murderer's row. Both divisions are really good. Yep. Um, and wildly disappointing. I mean, the NFC West even more so. I mean, it looks like the Niners could win that division like 10 and 7. Football has always made its home in the East and the South and the Midwest. It's never been a West Coast thing. Get out of here, West Coast. New England and Cleveland. New England wins at 38-19. Bailey Zappi, 309 passing yards. Uh, Boneheaded New Englanders already trying to say, we got a a Brady, we got a Brady Bledsoe uh, situation on our hands again. First of all, Bledsoe was successful for a decade uh, before before Tom took over. Yeah, and let's not call Bailey Zappi Tom Brady. So I have issues on both of those accounts. Um, how, how How do the Patriots continue to do this and how scared are you for Monday night? Um, well, the Patriots continue to do this because, the, I mean, Bill Belichick's just a fantastic not a good roster. head coach. It's not, not a good roster. It's not a great roster. It's an okay roster. Um, Bill Belichick is the best coach in the history of football, and they've gotten, I mean, they, they just, they got a value steal at quarterback and Bailey Zappi that they like. Um, it's just, New- they have a very good coaching staff, very smart coaching staff. New York Green Bay, the Jets win it in Lambeau 27 to 10 uh, behind an amazing rushing and defensive effort. Matt, what size jersey do you wear? Because we're getting Sauce Gardner jerseys. That's my question. Oh, I love Sauce Gardner. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, wearing the cheese head. But, you know, I know this one I know was more coming from behind than the Giants game. But what did we talk about last week with this Packers offense? When it looks like. Rodgers throwing 41 times and the Packers carrying Mm -hmm. 20. And one of those was a Rodgers rush. Like that isn't the formula for this team to win. And I know they struggled a little bit getting going on the ground, but you know, you have to get things going on the ground. And then you look at, I mean, Robert Tunyon has 10 receptions, Alan Rosario, like none of the, exactly what we said could happen to this Packers team in the off season because they just refused, flat out refused to address the playmaker position. Um, is happening. Aaron Rodgers is, can't get on the page, get, can't get on the same page with his receivers. He's getting frustrated. They're probably getting frustrated, and they have a head. Co- I don't. I don't know who's actually calling the plays. Whether it's a four, Rodgers is calling whatever the hell he wants. Yes. They they they're insistent on making this about Aaron, and that's not going to work right now because yeah. you don't have the weapons around him. He can't throw the ball forty-one times a game, and for me, it's, it's hilarious to see. I love it. 
two things. Yes, it is three things. It's my greatest joy in football right now because our team doesn't give us any. Uh, secondly, I have a I have a observation and I have a question. Observationally, I think when we when we talk about receivers and receiving cores, we're often um, we get caught up in the numbers, we get caught up in touchdowns, we get caught up in splash plays, we get caught up in highlight reel stuff. That's how we define elite. That's how we define serviceable. That's how we sort of tier these guys. A thing that we don't talk enough about because it's not really captured on the screen unless you're watching like an ISO shot on a replay. Separation. Separation mm-hmm. is what makes great receivers, especially in the NFL, because separation is such a, comes at such a premium. It, it, it doesn't come easy in the NFL. And when you don't have serviceable receivers, you have no separation. And even if you have time you're, and your quarterback is a generational passer of the football, you're still in trouble. And the Packers, I think that's where you're seeing them struggle the most at the receiver position is, yeah, there was the drop in week one. And yeah, maybe guys are uh, getting screwed up in some of the schemes, but they have no separation. Aaron Rodgers is trying to make magic and like, he, he, he forgot his rabbit. He forgot his top hat. He forgot his wand. He doesn't have any. He doesn't have any tools at his disposal because they're not getting any separation. And my question is this: How good of a coach is Matt Lafleur? I, I think, think we're going to get an answer to that over the next ten weeks. I want to see Matt Lafleur in yeah. adversity and what he can get out of this team that clearly has talent, that clearly has a quarterback, that has a defense that can still fly around a little bit and has some pieces, obviously has two better than serviceable running backs. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to put your team in a position to succeed and not just assume 13 wins because you got 12 under center? I mean, I, I think I tweeted this on Sunday after they lost. I, just, I They said something along the lines of like, I can't wait to see Matt LaFleur coach the Packers without Aaron Rodgers because it's pretty darn easy when you have a he came in with a scheme that Aaron Rodgers liked and that's why he was hired but like it's pretty darn easy when Aaron Rodgers is playing at an MVP level and Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football to have any scheme you want you can run any damn offense you want and if you have those two in a solid running game and a solid solid offensive line like they had you're going to be just fine. You're going to win a lot of football games. And you play in a division with the Lions and the Bears, who, are not, who have not been good in a long time. Like, those are kind of, I don't want to say two free wins a year, but pretty much three free wins a year. And a lot of the times it became four. Like, yeah. he hasn't really, he's he's crossed, he's hit a lot of these accolades because he's just had one of the best wide receiver quarterback tandems in the history of football going for him for a couple of years. And he's absolutely going to be tested here because they don't have the weapons around him. It is going to rely on the scheme and he's going to have to make some changes and he's going to have to adapt. And he hasn't done that yet. And to your point about the separation, like, yeah, that's what makes these great receivers. Devontae Adams always had that deep. He was a great route runner. Um, he ran to spots and he didn't really deviate off his route to look back to Aaron Rodgers because he knew where Rodgers was going to put the ball. Scheme, he can, scheme, can, scheme can alleviate some of that. You know, scheme yeah. can get you to separation. Like you look at, uh, I'm looking at the, the box score now. You look at Lazard and, and Dobbs are kind of their two deep threats or, you know, wide receivers, especially with Cobb kind of banged up. Both of them had four receptions, but both of them had nine targets. Like th- yeah. there's a lot of, they're going to those guys a lot and it's, it's not working. The execution with those two guys isn't there because there's not the separation and there's honestly probably not the trust there yet when they're in Rogers. Strange times with what we consider to be two of the top quarterbacks in the league. Really Don't stop now, boys. Uh, <laughs> Jacksonville and Indianapolis is our next game. Here, I just want to take you through the math on this one because you get a top five defense in the NFL going up against a team 
that can't score points, that hasn't scored points, that's coming off of a slog in prime time against Denver and the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, you take team total under, right? That's what you do for your lock of the week. Mm -hmm. Well, the Indianapolis offense figures things out, scores 34 points, and looks like they might contend for a division now. So I'm not sure what to make of either of these teams. Uh, What's your biggest concern when it comes to Jacksonville right now? Because, again, rebuilding, sort of taking the steps forward. This was supposed to be a big leap this year. It looked like they were starting to make it in the last few weeks. Turnovers are jumping up and being a problem. Points are a problem and defensively not as sharp as we saw in the first three to four weeks as well. You know, it comes back to, you've mentioned it a couple times, I talked with Doug Peterson at the Combine after he, you know, took the job a couple days after he took the job and kind of gave you the impression like there's, there's some work to be done here. Like there's a couple pieces, but man, we got some work to do. This is just another example of a rebuild. Like they got some work to do and there's, you hope to see some flashes and you saw that at, uh, you know, the opening week against Indy, you saw that um, the Eagles game where they played pretty well and just lost a tough game on the road. Like you've seen that a couple times this year, but like there's going to be some downs with them too. And this wasn't, I mean, defensively, it was really more of a down for them. Trevor Lawrence was fine. They were able to run the football fine. Defensively, they had some lapses and that's just, that's kind of going to happen for them throughout the year because, they have some pieces in place, but this is year one of a rebuild because I mean, it's hard to call anything last year with urban Meyer productive. Um, so they're, it's going to be a frustrating year for Jags fans too, because you're going to see some flashes and then you're going to see some downs. Um, Minnesota and Miami went 24, 16 with Minnesota pulling off the win. Just, I mean, for the fourth consecutive week, the quarterback that the Miami Dolphins started <laughs> did not finish the game. Uh, it's wild. It's, it's tough right now. Um, it's tough Teddy to grade the Dolphins on anything at this point because they, it is. Haven't, they haven't had a quarterback since they beat the Bills. But uh, let's talk about Minnesota here because Miami, I, I, I'll ask questions about once two is back, once we kind of see them get into the groove or not once they're a little closer to full strength. But from the standpoint of Minnesota, they're five and one. I think all five of their wins have been one possession games. They're not blowing anybody out. Um, They're obviously not getting blown out. I still don't get the vibe from them that they're like, they feel like a playoff team. They don't feel like we're going to see them on championship Sunday just yet. What's your vibe when it comes to the Vikings right now? I'm like cautiously optimistic about them. I you know when the it was the the year the Bears beat the Bucks on Thursday night football and they went five and they go to five and one or six and one or whatever that was the Brady year where he forgot what down it was. Yes. I don't want to say the Vikings are quite that team because I don't think they're that big of frauds, but I still like I'm I I'm not totally impressed by them. They did what they should against the Dolphins team that was really banged up without their quarterback. They skated by the Lions. They dominated the Packers in Week One. That's great, but like. They held on to beat the Bears, and you know, if it's if it's not for a, a weird block in the back call, maybe that game even goes to overtime. The, the Saints in London game was just kind of meh. Like, yeah, good for them that they're learning how to win close games. But like, and okay, so they have Cardinals, and then after, and then at the Commanders, they should probably win both of those games at the very least. Uh, if the very least go one and one. But then after that, at Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, Jets, who are now pretty good. Like that's, I think that's kind of where we learned who they, they, this team is. That four game stretch in Buffalo versus Dallas, which is probably a team with Dak back versus the Pats and then versus the Jets. I think we kind of learned about them then. Yeah, that will be Dak. I believe Dak is slated to start. He's slated to return to practice today, uh, which is Wednesday. So we'll see what happens. I have a Vikings yeah. over nine win total, though. So I, I, hope, yeah, they, uh, just, I hope they keep just, racking those up. I'm optimistic because of the world that surrounds them, sort of. Like, I just don't see anybody in the NFC wowing me outside of Philadelphia. So they might 
I mean, that's, end up a, there on that's a very fair Thunder. point too. The NFC has not been wildly great outside of Philly. Cincinnati and New Orleans, Cincinnati 30, New Orleans 26, uh, Burrow and Chase back in the place where they ran it up in the national title game and they come from behind to win this one. Uh, finally, getting that getting that one-two punch back, uh, Jamar Chase for 132 yards after being held in check for like three straight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I don't have any major question here. Uh, New Orleans is very – they are who we thought they were, Cincinnati. Uh, it looks like they've stepped back from last year. Obviously, the expectation is not – um, AFC championship game, but it wasn't last year either. Where are you at on Cincinnati right now? Like, like, is this a, is this a playoff team? Yeah, I think it's a playoff team. And I think they're, I, I think they're a team that you never really want to see because while they still are a little bit vulnerable on the offensive line and the defense is okay. Like they still have all the weapons that can give any defenses nightmare. If things are clicking, if the offensive line has a good day, like man, they got, you look at their top three receivers, Chase Burrow or Chase Boyd and Higgins. Like those are three really darn good receivers. Those are two uh, arguably number ones in Tyler Boyd, who is, you know, one of the better slot guys in, in football. Like uh, they have all the weapons to give you headaches. So they're, they're a team that you don't want to see, um, but their weak point still is that offensive line, even though they did try to address it in the off season. Yeah. Um, as we move on, we find Baltimore in New Orleans, or excuse me, Baltimore in New York. Baltimore losing another game in which they held a lead in the fourth quarter. Just can't figure out Bad. how to get it across the finish line. The Giants, meanwhile, fresh off a win over the Packers in London. They fly home. A weird week, different week, home game against a tough team. They go out and win another ball game. Matt, why is Brian Dayball not our coach? That's a good question. Maybe he wanted to go to New York. I don't know. I think he very much did. I think he wanted to go. I think he wanted to just take the quick, you know, up and down flight from Buffalo to, to Manhattan. Um, they're, they're a fun grinding team to watch. And they have, I mean, Saquon Barkley finally looks like he's as healthy as he's been since his rookie year. And that is massive. Um, and Daniel Jones is just, he's taking care of the football, which has been huge yeah. for him in the past. Like he's not very good, but he's good enough when he doesn't turn over the football and you've seen him not turn over the football, which is he's good enough to give them a headache is what he is. He's good enough yeah. to give them a headache for next season because you can't franchise two guys. You either got to franchise him or you got to franchise Saquon. What are you going to do? You franchise Saquon and go get, like, I mean, is, is Daniel Jones doing anything Cooper rush couldn't for you next year? If you don't have a, if you're not in a position to draft the quarterback, yeah, I don't know. I, and it's very much I think that I go with Cooper Rush. Very much that I'm idea not, of like I'm not franchising or extending wants, Daniel Jones. A head coach and general manager want to pick their own guy, and Daniel Jones yeah. is uh, of a previous time. So I don't know how that's going to work out. But as I said earlier, Richie James is a leading wide receiver with 189 yards. Saquon Barkley is next at 155. I have no idea how this is a five and one football team, but good on you. Pittsburgh looks like they found and, a guy in Wandale Robinson who might be a nice little weapon for him there too. Yeah. Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh 20, Tampa Bay 18. We kind of touched upon this game already, so let's rip right past it. Los Angeles and Carolina, uh, the Rams 24, Carolina 10. L.A. finally gets a win, but trailing at halftime 10-7 to a, the worst team in the NFL, I think it's fair to say, Carolina. Yeah. I mean, you fire your head coach, your wide receiver, your, your number one wide receiver tries fighting a coach on the sideline. That was uh, fun. Your, your only star player on the team is now on the trading block, like, and can't get 
Carolina through 30 minutes outplayed LA. Uh, what's wrong with the Rams? I mean, I, yes, they win 24, 10. So it's, it's a multi possession win, but I think it still begs the question of like, wh- what's wrong with LA right now? Uh, well, for starters, their offensive line. I mean, I feel like I've talked about offensive line play, not only on this episode, especially, but this football season and not just with the bears across the board, but their offensive line is just bad. And I think you have a, you, I mean, you have a running back room. That's not very good. That kind of benefited from an offensive line that benefited from a really dynamic passing game. And unfortunately the passing game for them has legitimately just became Stafford drops back and either finds cup, you know, deep down the field or checks down to Skoranek. And that's just kind of their passing game. It's pretty easy to game plan against. And I don't think Stafford's fully healthy. I mean, we talked about a preseason, didn't really play in the preseason. There's, you know, not so quiet whispers that his elbow isn't right. Like there's something wrong there. And I just, uh, he needs to get healthy. The offensive line needs to get better and healthy and the defense is fine. But you know, when they're on the field all the time, they're going to be giving up some stuff. Alan Robinson looked like a professional. So there's that. Hey, first time in like two and a half years. <laughs> Elsewhere, Arizona and Seattle, uh, Seattle, 19, Arizona, nine. Speaking of teams, just head the wrong direction in a hurry. The Cardinals uh, got nothing to show for their season. They do get through the no DeAndre Hopkins period, but now you're swapping hop for Hollywood Brown, who just got hurt. So mm-hmm. you're still really kind of a one show, one pony show, uh, if you will. But Seattle continues to just win football games in different ways. Obviously, it's the high-powered offense in weeks past. Defense shows up this time around. Uh, are you... Are you at the point where, like, Geno, this Seattle team, Pete Carroll, the way he's coaching them up, can contend for that division the way we were talking about? Because it is so wide open, and San Francisco, I think, betting-wise, is the only minus money on the board. But is Seattle a a real value proposition there? I think so, because the Rams have their holes. The Cardinals are a bad football team. I love San Francisco. I think they win that division, but they've had the injury bug for – Geez, since Kyle Shanahan took over, it seems like. Um, and Seattle's just kind of ho-hum playing good fundamental football. And Geno Smith is taking care of the ball, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a value bet to win a division, I think that's one right now. Because if they can be the healthiest team in the NFC West, they're going to have a chance come towards the end of the season. And credit to Pete Carroll. Um, he kind of got laughed at the last couple of years and people said, you know, he's washed and he needs to go and hashtag Pete was right. I mean, the Russ was not the guy anymore and Russ had kind of started taking some steps back and he was trying to pigeonhole the offense to do what he wanted to do. Got Russ out of there, got an insane amount of draft picks. That's going to help load up Seattle a lot quicker than people might've thought and good on him. Sorry, Pete, you were right. Looking at the numbers right now, talk about value. Seattle still last to win the division at 15 to 1, okay, which is come wild on to me. That's Arizona Cardinals 12 to 1, Los Angeles Rams plus 120, San Francisco 49ers just about even money, an extra nickel on the plus side. Um, okay. Um, shout out to the good people at Caesar Sportsbook, but I might have to sprinkle there at 15 yeah. to 1. I think that's a I think that's a no-brainer sprinkle right now. Buffalo KC, the matchup we waited uh, 200 and some days for after the coin flip heard around the world last year in the divisional round. Uh, Buffalo goes on the road, 
picks off a win at Arrowhead. Extremely hard to do. Uh, again, another game between these two decided inside the two-minute warning. But, Matt, this happened last year. Buffalo went into Arrowhead and won a football game. It was the last home loss for the Chiefs last year against yeah. Buffalo. I believe it was week five. Uh, this year it's week six. Does this one feel like the shift in power, or are you reserving judgment until we see it likely again in the playoffs? Yeah, I'm not going to call it a shift in power just yet because this feels to me like, I think we've probably talked about it before and wouldn't be the only one. Like This feels to me like the Brady-Manning battles of the last generation where, yeah, the, the Patriots got more Super Bowls, but like the Colts won their fair share. And like, they were a very good team too. This feels like to me, like we're going to just kind of see these teams every year, every other year in the playoffs. And we're going to see them both get theirs and both get their wins. Like, I don't think this is going to be like a, you know, the chiefs hit their peak and then the, the, the chiefs are on a decline. The bills are on a, on an incline and you know they meet and then they kind of keep going those same paths. I think it's just going to be up and down and they're both going to get their wins. And this is going to be a really fun series back and forth to watch for hopefully like the next 10 years. But this one felt different for the bills for me because they figured out a win, way to win a close football game. And that had been the knock on them all season last year that, you know, they're, they're great when things are going well, but in these tight games, they can't figure out a way to close they figured out a way to close and good on them for doing that. They needed to do it. And they didn't ask Josh Allen to throw the ball 60 times. He threw it 40, which is a lot, but you know, didn't ask him to throw, you know, to go 30 of 60 or whatever the Miami game was. They were able to do it in a balanced way and make some stops. Not just that. They didn't ask him to throw it 60 times. They also didn't ask him to run the ball 15 times. Yes, which is massive. Huge. He was limited in the run game. And then because you haven't shown it, you haven't shown it, you haven't shown it. We're not doing it. Quarterback power, huge first down on that last drive. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's an asset, but it can't be every drive. And I think that that's what they're moving towards. It's going to make them even more uh, increasingly dangerous. If they can get Devin Singletary and those other backs going and do establish some sort of traditional running game. Shit. Good luck against Christian McCaffrey or that Dallas and Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia 26, Dallas 17. Cooper Rush finally loses a football game, which is something that not had happened prior with him as a starter. Uh, Philly, and I, I asked this question a bunch on our air to most of our analysts, and it is nitpicky because you are a perfect 6-0 heading into the bye week. There's nothing else you can ask for. Does Philly's second half approach worry you at all? Because we've seen them win games different ways, but their second half uh, point differential is not good. Fourth quarter point differential deep into the negative. They are, they've been in the lead. They've throttled down. But then I think we saw them here on Sunday struggle to like get it going again when they needed mm-hmm. to in the fourth quarter. Are you, do you take any issue if we're going to nitpick with sort of the second half game planning of the Eagles thus far this season? I mean, yeah, if we're getting nitpicky, that is it. I mean, you, you yeah. had a Cowboys team just on the ropes, and I know we've talked highly about Cooper Rush and his ability to be, you know, he's come and played really well for the Cowboys, but we've always kind of thought he's going to get a, maybe he'll get a starting job somewhere next year, but he's, he's, uh, a best backup in the NFL. And you, you kind of let that offense that was reeling right back into it. And you let their defense kind of do some good things and grab some momentum. I like Philly. The schedule is, is, is fairly easy for them the rest of the way. Jesus. Like they're not going to, they can be really realistically like 11 and 0, 12 and 0. This is going to be a very, very good record for them. Um, but yeah, I, we haven't really seen them tested too much yet. And that also worries me too, for a team that's going to go into a playoff game, you know, man, look at the schedule, like relatively untested and they're, 
still going to have to learn how to win close games and close out games in the second half. And Nick Sirianni made some interesting decisions. And I, I fear that he kind of gets into moods where he's feeling himself a little bit too much and makes some rash calls that don't necessarily mm-hmm. work out. Um, but right now, I mean, yeah, forget nit- that, that's getting nitpicky. They're playing the best football of anybody in the NFL. Uh, and finally, Denver and Los Angeles in what was another one you could have missed. Uh, the Chargers went at 19 to 16 only because of a muff punt. That was the only way anyone was moving the ball in overtime. Both teams possessed the ball twice in overtime. You don't see that. Um, no first downs in overtime. You don't see that. No. A kicker hits a game winner, goes four for four with an injured hamstring. You don't see that. Uh, you also don't see Denver doing anything on offense. The struggles continue. Uh, it, it's well established how disappointing Russ and this Denver team is and maybe some of the internal strife there that nobody likes him in that locker room. So I want to ask you a Chargers question here. Sure. Justin Herbert, everything you want in a quarterback, six foot five, talented arm, sees the field, maybe doesn't have the dude in him, maybe isn't the Joe Burrow leader of men that I want in my quarterback, but just on paper, looking at the looking at the stats, looking at the player that is so mm-hmm. should be a generational talent at quarterback but it's still a team that is struggling to score touchdowns and struggling to move the ball he threw the ball what was it 50 times 57 50 times 37 he 57 he threw the ball 57 times for like 250 yards I, I don't even know how to ask the question because I was hesitant and I'll, I'll raise my hand that I was wrong. I kind of had skeptical hippo eyes yeah. about Justin Herbert coming into the league. He was one of the, I don't get it guys. Yeah. And I totally get it now from the skill standpoint. I'm still not getting it from the dude standpoint. Is this a lack of dude or is this a lack of a head coach putting a guy with crazy skills in a position to succeed for you? Man, I feel like it, it points like we've seen some dude in him, Like uh, it- I know he threw that interception in the Chiefs game, but that one wasn't really on him. It was more on the receiver running a really terrible route and a coaching decision to not pull a tired receiver. Like I feel like at times we've seen some dude, we've seen some some big games, but they like it, it to me is almost like a 49ers like uh, they're not as good as the 49ers, but like a 49ers problem of they're just never healthy. Like I love Keenan Allen. He's a really good receiver when he's healthy. I feel like he plays eight games a year. Mike Williams has had back problems since he got into the league, which is a problem. And I mean, you look at their, their receiver room. It's like Joshua Palmer, Donald Parnum, Jr. Gerald Everett. Like they don't have that many guys. Um, And the offensive line had a generational left, left tackle talent Rashawn Slater go down week one or week two or whatever it is. So you lose your anchor there. I feel like he's a guy that, you know, might not have a coach that knows how to put him in the best spot and mm-hmm. also has a very, very deficient group around him because of injury. And, and by, I'll say mostly because of injury. I think the, talent, the Chargers have done a decent job trying to rack up talent, but they're just like the Niners. They're just decimated by injury. And unfortunately, those have been a lot of his weapons or, or his guys on offense. My biggest takeaway here, Pat Sertan is – I don't want to make a crazy statement. He's a a dude. He's a top four cornerback in the NFL. He is unbelievable. He he completely took Mike Williams out of the game plan. It was was very impressive uh, what he did on that side of the field or on both sides of the field traveling with Williams. But yeah, the the Broncos feel like the Bears of old, like where the defense is so damn good and the offense just can't do shit. And you can tell that the defense and Where honestly the receivers they're starting it's starting to re- they're like but i've never seen it 
them resent an offense and a quarterback <laughs> this early. Like usually by week 10, week 11, week 12. Yeah, because the situation – We've sensed it since week one. The situation isn't often we gave up all of our future draft picks, gave a guy nine figures, a quarter billion dollars worth of belief for the yeah. next five years, and he's done nothing. That's They're why it's – when, when you When you do something like that, the success has to immediately follow. There is yeah. no time for building blocks or rebuild. No, now is the time when that's when that's your reality, and it's just not coming to fruition. That is your week six NFL recap, Matt. Uh, we're on to week seven here. Going to have a lot of exciting action coming our way. But before we say goodbye to the people, let's give out a winner for this upcoming week. I'm two let's and four. It. You're four and two. And then let's talk a little MLB on the way out the door. What's your lock of the week here in the NFL this week? Las Vegas Raiders at home against the Houston Texans. We're going to lay three and a half with the Raiders in the first half. Um, Texans aren't very good, as we've talked about many times in this pod. The Raiders have been a great first half team. Uh, They're coming off a bye, so McDaniels has had a bunch of time to prep and prep for a bad Houston Texans team. I think he's a good offensive head coach. I think that team has a lot of talent, a lot more talent than Houston. They're at home, off a bye. I I like them in that first half. I'm I know the record isn't there for the Raiders, but like they've gotten better. better like that, 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 that effort against that, the Chiefs yeah. was really good. They just lost the Patrick Mahomes game and Travis Kelsey game. That happens. I'm really high on the Raiders. I think they win this game fairly easily. But with their se- second half struggles, I didn't want to quite lay the seven. Uh, before we get to, oh, I got to give my pick. I don't even want to anymore. New York Jacksonville under 42. Uh, I'm going back to this Jacksonville defense. Um, I'm going to this matchup. I might be playing this matchup of years past, but I don't see both teams scoring three touchdowns. Um, yeah, I don't feel great about anything right now at two and four. Uh, I continue to justify you listening to my picks by giving my on-air picks as well. I am on CBS Sports HQ and even nine and nine this season, which is far better than my two and four. But yeah. hey, who's counting? New York Jacksonville under okay. the 42. It's a lot of pressure when you can only give out one. Like, that's the nice part about you, also, you, your CBS job. You can give out a couple, and, you know, you can have some two-and-one weeks. You can have some one-and-two weeks, but then follow it up with a three-and-oh here and there. And I here, get those out on one. game day. I get yeah. those out Thursday, Thursday, Sunday, Monday is when I give out the three picks yeah. a week, and I get one pick per slate, and obviously Sunday is the most to choose from there. But I just feel, I just feel a better vibe, a better understanding of the matchup later in the week. Maybe it's because I do some shows. I talk about it. I zone yeah. in on uh, what some of our analysts are. They're saying as well, but nonetheless, New York Jacksonville under 42, some bulls news to pass along uh, opener coming up tonight. Zach Levine will miss Zach the opener. It's not playing that's with good. knee issues. That's so good. Uh, there you go, bulls. Uh, let's know. talk a little baseball as we are into the league championship series. Uh, after what was a wild series between the guardians and the Yankees, the Yankees move on. It is chalk on the AL side of things. With the Yanks and Houston going at it round three, going to be some bad blood there. Going to be Garrett Cole. I don't know if that lines up home or road. I think it lines up home for him, so we won't have to pitch in front of Houston unless it's tail end of that series. Yeah. But nonetheless, that is your AL matchup. NL was dogs, dogs, dogs. Philly and San Diego. Uh, Philly takes the game one matchup that came a night ago. Let's give our picks. Obviously, it's 1-0 on that side, which yeah. leads you towards the Phillies. But... I want Yankees Padres. I think we're going to get Phillies um, Houston. Yeah, my, my pick was Phillies Houston as well, and not I had I was picking Philly before last night's game as well. Okay. Um, that that Trust lineup you. is just that lineup is clicking right now. It's relentless, and like they're the like 
we've, we see it in baseball just about every year. It was the Braves last year going back to 05, like it was the White Sox then. Like it's a lineup that's just always on. And even when they're not having a like when they're not hitting well in a game or they're struggling to figure out a pitcher like they did in Darvish last night, they have a couple guys step up and then hit one over a wall. Um, I still think Houston is, or if you're Kyle Schwarber, like four walls. Um, I still think Houston's the best team in baseball. I think they're the most consistent. I think they're the deepest at every position. I think they're ultimately going to be the team that wins the World Series. But man, the way Phil and San Diego is going to have like win a couple games in this series, they're playing really well too. That bullpen it was great against LA, but it, it seems like Philly and, and Houston for me. I don't. The Yankees had a nice series win against the Guardians and it was a nice comeback, but I don't think they have the the horses, especially in the bullpen, to to compete long term with Houston in a seven game series. Uh, Philly, New York might kill Cubs fans because you got to watch Kyle Schwarber and Anthony Rizzo. Oh, in fairness, that's true. <laughs> the NLCS of Harper versus Machado is killing Sox fans. That's also not true. to mention Zach Wheeler <laughs> started last night for Philly, who the Sox it, one time outbid a team for uh, for a pitcher. He wanted to stay out yep. east, so he chose like that's killing Kyle Schwarber was the guy the Sox went after last year. So that series is killing me on the inside. I was watching the beginning of game one. And the first thing they do is put up a graphic graphic of Harper and Machado and their contracts and how good they've been this year. So that's, you know, that's lovely. That's, you know, we gotta, great. we gotta make this about us real quick. When it comes I always, to we know, it's, it's the Moose and Runes not being anywhere the, near. This isn't the uh, sports October. fans podcast. This is the Moose and Runes podcast. It's about that's us. It. And with that, we say you thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Moose Moons Pod, episode 271. Uh, we appreciate you guys, as always. Get back in that mailbag um, with the uh, distancing that we're going to do from the Chicago Bears. We get a little something from you. So give maybe, us some bulls, give us some college football, give anything. us some baseball, whatever. Give us, give us Bears mailbags, too. That'll be a way for us to unwillingly get into some conversations about this team that continues uh, to keep us up at Fr- night. Friend of, the now, pod, friend of the pod, Rob Gallick, has yeah, Bears, yeah. Bears, Bears mailbags a lot, so we can dip into some of those, and I'm sure he'll give us some more, too. All mailbags, anything at Kid, Maybe we get Robbie Kidd to like almost game show host it for us and come up with his three or four biggest questions about the bears. We have him on the pod and we, we, we let him oh. uh, almost, we kangaroo court it. He poses the question. We give our answers and he determines a winner or something like that. We could, tell, we could run that by him. I know he's tell you what, tell you, no, 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 no. I want him to listen to this. If he hears okay. this, if he, that's, that's his good, test. A good that, that's test. your test. If, if he, he hears made this, it to the end of the pod, if he made it to the Easter end of the podcast Rob. and hears this, this, yeah, this is your Easter egg. You get to come on the show at some point in the next couple of weeks and we'll do a little bears game show. Show. How about that? Your one and only invite comes in minute fifty-seven of the pod, or whatever. He'd be a third. He'd be a third-time guest. That'd be a big. He'd be up there, not quite with Mark Shanowski, but like they're knocking on the Dave Kaplan door at least. You know, yeah. Also, bull season starting tonight. Let's give a quick little good luck uh, to girlfriend of the podcast, yes. Melissa Bergamini, her gambling updates, her post-game show hosting. Big, big start to a to a long march to a playoff run. So we will also ask her to keep us up to date on uh, the medicals too. So she's going to have to quickly get yeah. her her PhD. And we're before gonna need, she tweets, she should text me. We're going to need knee updates on what sounds like everybody on the basketball. Team. Yep. So that's fine. We'll see how it goes. But for now, he is Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>